section thirteen of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter eleven needham's narrative the drodger driven off from saba capsized the midshipmen saved themselves on her side taken off by the sarah jane steer for cartagena the colonel on shore look out for his return you remember that night at saba mr higson when the three young gentlemen and i were left aboard the drodger and you and the other gentlemen went ashore to look after captain quasho as he called himself and his rascally black crew began needham who having recovered his voice was inclined to make good use of it by spinning a long yarn i should think i did indeed said higson but go ahead dick we want to hear how you and they were saved for i had little hope that you would be when i saw the drodger driven away from her anchorage by the hurricane nor had i sir i can tell you but i've always held that there's nothing like trying to do one's best in however bad a way one may seem to be continued needham i saw that there was only one thing we could do and that was to run before the wind and to try and keep the craft above water as to beating back i knew that the old roger would either have capsized or been driven on the rocks if we had made the attempt so i took the helm got a foot of the foresail hoisted the hatches battened down told the young gentlemen to lash themselves to the rigging if they didn't wish to be washed overboard and let the craft scud it was precious dark except every now and then when the flashes of lightning darted from the clouds and went zigzagging along on either side of us casting a red glare on the tops of the black seas from which the foam was blown off just for all the world as if a huge white sheet had been drawn over them the spoon-drift too came straight along our deck over the taffrail as if it would cut our legs off for though we flew at a pretty good rate it flew faster and every now and then i turned my head i couldn't help thinking that one of thy big seas which came roaring on astern just for all the world like one of the savage monsters i've heard tell of eager to swallow us up would break down on the deck and send us in a jiffy to the bottom i didn't care so much about it for myself as for the brave young lads likely to be admirals one of these days but not a cry nor a word of complaint did i hear from them mr rogers maybe was the most plucky as he seemed to feel that it was his duty to set an example to his messmates and i could hear his voice every now and then as they all stood close together lashed to the starboard rigging and when the lightning flashed i could just get a glimpse of their faces looking pale as death not from fear though but contrasted as it were with the darkness around i had made myself fast you may be sure for i shouldn't have been long on the deck if i hadn't as not once but many a time a sea came tumbling over first one quarter then the other and though it was but just the top of it we should all of us have been swept overboard and if the hatches hadn't been battened down the old drodger would have gone to the bottom 
we had managed to light the binnacle lamp before we got from under the land and i saw by the compass that we were driving about south-east so that i had no fear of being cast on the shore of any other island and i hoped if we could weather out the gale that we might beat back to saba on we ran hour after hour it seemed to me the longest night i had ever passed since i came to sea the wonder was that the drogher still kept afloat but she was tight and light as a cork now she was on the top of one sea now climbing up the side of another one comfort was that the longest night must come to an end and that the hurricane could not last for ever we were i judged too on the skirts of it and that if we stood on we should in time get beyond its power it required pretty careful steering to keep the wind right aft for if i had brought it ever so little abeam the vessel would have gone clean over in a moment i was thankful you may be sure when daylight came at last not that the prospect round us was a pleasant one the big seas were rolling and leaping and tumbling about like mad on every side hissing and roaring and knocking their white heads together as if they didn't know what they would be at it was a hard job to steer clear of the worst it was often dobson's choice and many came with such a plump down on the deck that i thought after all we should be sent to davy jones's locker but the lively little craft managed to run her nose up the next mountain sea and to shake herself clear of the water just as a newfoundland dog does when he gets ashore after a swim the only pleasant sight was to see the young gentlemen standing where they had been all night and keeping up their spirits we are getting precious hungry dick sung out mr rogers i'm thinking of going below to find some grub no no just stay safe where you are sir i answered if you let go your hold maybe that moment we shall have a sea come aboard us and carry you away with it or if the companion hatch is lifted it may make its way below and swamp us all right dick we can manage to hold out for a few hours more cried the other two don't think of going tom we wouldn't have you run the risk for our sakes from the gnawings of my own stomach i knew that the poor youngsters must be very sharp-set however it seemed to me that the wind was somewhat less than it had been and i hoped that in a few hours more the hurricane would be over or that we should be out of it i told them so and i soon heard them laughing and talking as if nothing particular out of the way was happening well in a couple of hours or so the wind fell and i saw that we must have the foresail set or run the chance of being pooped i told them what i wanted and casting off their lashings they all sprang together to the halyards and soon had the sail hoisted and the sheet belayed they then made their way aft now i think we've earned our breakfast says mr rogers and slipping off the companion hatch he dived below while the other two stood ready to draw it over again in case a sea should come aboard us he quickly returned with some bread meat a bottle of wine and a basket of fruit they wouldn't touch anything till they had fed me for they said i had had the hardest work and saved their lives my hands you see had still enough to do in working the tiller and my eyes too for that matter in keeping a watch on the seas so all i could do was just to open my mouth and let them put the food into it all i wanted was enough to keep body and soul together and i then advised them 
to get back to the shrouds and to make themselves fast as before as there was no saying what might happen while the sea was tumbling about in its present fashion you must take a swig of the wine first says mr rogers in his cheery way just like the lieutenant his brother holding the bottle to my mouth i'd got a gulp or two of the liquor keeping my weather eye open all the time when i saw an ugly big sea come rolling up on our quarter i sung out to the other two to hold fast to the companion hatch for their lives while i got a grip of mr tom between one of my arms and the tiller i couldn't avoid the sea right over us it came pouring down the still open hatchway and sweeping across the deck i had mr tom safe enough though the breath was half squeezed out of his body but i was afraid the others would have been torn from their hold like brave-hearted youngsters as they are they had held fast though over head and ears in water ah but the venison has gone on a cruise sung out mr desmond as soon as the sea had passed clear of us and some big brute of a shark will be making his breakfast of it better that he should eat that then us patty said mr rogers don't let's fret about it for to say the truth it was rather too high to be pleasant he was right as to that for the bits he put into my mouth had a very curious taste but it wasn't a time to be particular so i had taken what was given me and said nothing i was thankful when i saw that the three lads had safely lashed themselves to the starboard shrouds as before the day was wearing on and i was beginning to feel that i'd rather not have to stand on my legs much longer though the hope that the hurricane would quickly blow itself out kept me up at last i calculated about seven bells in the afternoon watch it fell almost a dead calm though we happily kept steerage way on the craft for the sea tumbled about almost as madly as before and it was a difficult job to prevent its breaking aboard however we managed to set the mainsail and i hoped we should soon have smoother water one can never tell what tricks the wind will play suddenly as you may see sometimes a hulking giant knock down a little chap with a blow of his fist a sea struck the drodger on the starboard beam and before a sheet could be let fly over she went it was a mercy that the three young gentlemen were holding on at the same time to the weather rigging they all scrambled in a moment on to the chains where i making my way along the bulwarks quickly joined them i can't say that they were frightened exactly but they didn't like it which was but natural no more did i what's going to happen next asked mr rogers quite calmly the hatches being on the craft won't fill and maybe when the squall has passed over another sea may right her i answered as i saw that there was a chance of that happening the squall didn't last ten minutes and directly afterwards there was a flat calm and the sea went down wonderfully fast still the drodger lay over on her side and gave no signs of writing mr desmond proposed cutting away the mast that mightn't help us i answered i've an idea that the ballast has shifted over to port and that with the water in her keeps the craft down we must wait till the sea is smooth and then we'll get the companion hatch off and have a look below we may be able to bail the water out and shift enough of the ballast to right her 
but as long as the sea is running it's safer to trust to providence and to hold on with hands and teeth where we are and poor spider i'm afraid he'll have an uncomfortable time of it left all alone in the dark below and not knowing what can have happened to the vessel said mr rogers as if he thought the monkey more to be pitied than himself or us the poor brute had been made fast below to keep him out of mischief when they went on shore and had remained there since i had an idea that he was very likely drowned if he was over on the lee side but i didn't say so for fear of grieving his young masters thinks i to myself if we are hard up for grub whether dead or alive he'll serve us for a meal or two at all events having no longer the steering of the craft to attend to as evening drew on i began to feel very drowsy and it made me fear that the youngsters who would be getting sleepy likewise to a certainty might drop off into the water and be drowned or be grabbed by a shark the thought had no sooner come into my head than i saw one of the brutes swimming by and casting his two wicked eyes up at us i roused myself up in a moment and getting hold of some lashings pointed him out to the young gentlemen when i told them what i feared they did not object to my making them all fast to the chains with their legs along the shrouds i afterwards secured myself close to them on the bulwarks i hadn't been there many minutes before i went off into a sort of sleep though it wasn't exactly sleep because i knew where i was and never forgot what had happened i could hear too the voices of my young companions trying by talking to keep each other awake though it was a hard job for them poor lads the seas do ye see had been washing over us all the time and even now though they broke less heavily than before pretty often nearly smothered us but even they could not make me keep my eyes open darkness soon came down upon the ocean but it was growing calmer and calmer and i could feel that the vessel was no longer tossed and tumbled about while the voices of the midshipmen ceased to sound in my ears i tried to rouse myself up that was however more than i could do and at last i dropped off into a real sound sleep when i awoke the vessel lay as quietly as in a mill-pond and not a sound was to be heard except the soft lap of the water against the hull i couldn't even hear the breathing of the midshipmen and for a moment the dreadful thought came to me that they were dead or had got loose somehow or other and had slipped into the sea i lifted myself up so that i could reach the shrouds there they were safe enough and all as fast asleep as they could have been in their hammocks i wouldn't awake them as i thought the sleep would do them good i myself had no wish to go to sleep again so i sat up watching the bright stars shining out of the clear sky and thinking whether it would be possible to get the vessel righted and if not what chance there was if we could form a raft of reaching one of the islands or falling in with a passing vessel to my mind a man's a coward who cries die whilst there's life in him and i determined with the help of him who i knew right well looks after poor jack to do my best to save myself and the young midshipmen these things gave me enough to think about for the rest of that long night at last the light of day came back the stars grew dim and presently the sun like a huge ball of fire with a blaze of red all around him over the sky rose out of the glass-like sea 
i knew that it was going to be blazing hot and that we should feel it terribly the midshipmen awaking were much surprised to find that it was light again already and couldn't believe that they had slept through the night having cast off their lashings they began to move about to stretch their cramped limbs not that there was much space for that now messmates said mr rogers there's one thing we ought to do before we think of anything else and that is to thank god for having preserved us through the night and to pray to him to protect us and to take us ashore in safety needham you'll join us i know of course i will sir says i and well pleased i was to hear the youngster speak in that way without any shamefacedness it was just what i'd been thinking for if a man dare not ask god to help him he must be in a bad way indeed without another word we all knelt on the side of the vessel and a right good honest prayer did mr rogers offer up no parson or bishop either could have prayed a better though he might have put more words into it the young gentleman do you see knew exactly what we all wanted and that's just what he asked god to give us and no more and now needham what do you consider is the first thing we ought to do said rogers as soon as he had finished let us try and get some water sang out mr desmond i'm terribly thirsty i could drink a bucketful if i had it so could i for my thrapple is as dry as a dustbin added mr gordon as to that i am not better than either of you says mr rogers but i thought that i'd try to hold out as long as i could well says i i'll make my way below and see what i can bring up water will be better than wine or spirits and if i can find any you shall have it no no needham you stay where you are says mr rogers just pass a rope aft and i'll make it fast round my waist till i can get the hatch off the water's pretty well up to the combings already and my weight won't make the difference which yours might he seemed to think that there was more danger than i did that the weight of a single man might capsize the craft altogether i believe that if we had all gone below together it wouldn't have mattered however i did as he ordered me it was a sliding hatch you remember and he soon got it off far enough to let himself down into the cabin we all sat watching for him to come back again at last i heard his voice singing out to me to hoist away looking down i saw him seated on the companion hatch with master spider the monkey clinging to his neck while he was making fast the end of the rope to a basket full of all sorts of things which he had collected below i hauled it up and he followed with spider water water cried the others i couldn't find a drop he answered but i've brought some oranges and a bottle of wine it's the last in the locker so we must take care how we use it there was just one orange apiece and for my part i'd have given a five-pound note for mine rather than go without it as to the wine we couldn't touch it though we were glad of some before long the only solid food we had was biscuit for the fish and venison had gone bad and we were not sharp set enough to eat it but then we had besides the oranges several sorts of fruit their outlandish names i never can remember though they didn't put much strength into us they were what we wanted seeing that we had no water to moisten our throats still while they and the biscuits lasted and the monkey spider to fall back on i wasn't afraid of starving though i didn't say anything to the young gentlemen about him as i knew they wouldn't like the thoughts of feeding on their pet 
when we had finished our breakfast we began to talk of what we had best do we had the choice of three things to try and right the drodger to make a raft out of her spars and upper works or to sit quietly where we were till some vessel should come by and take us off at last i got leave from mr rogers to go below and judge what chance there was of righting the craft i soon saw that without buckets we should never be able to bail her out there wasn't one to be found nor would the pump work while as i had guessed the ballast had shifted over to the port side so till we could free her of water we couldn't reach that besides it would have been a difficult matter to get it back to its place as i was groping about in the hold i came upon two water casks here is a prize i thought but the bungs were out and the only water in them was salt at last i went back with my report then we must set to and build a raft said mr rogers nothing daunted how are we to cut away the spars and bulwarks without axes asked mr gordon it would be a hard job to do it with our knives and hands you are right my boy and faith the only thing we can do that i can see is to sit quiet and wait till providence sends us help says mr desmond quite calmly we should be thankful that the old tub keeps above water we were all agreed as to this when i came to think of it i saw that without a single axe or tool of any sort there was no hope of making a raft fit to carry tins though it had seemed possible to me in the night-time when i was half asleep the midshipman was right all we could do was to sit quiet and look out for a sail i made another trip below and got up some more biscuit and fruit and three pots of preserves which were very welcome and some nuts for spider these we put into the basket which was secured to the rigging i then shut to the companion hatch and sat down on the bulwarks the sun soon dried out clothes but we shouldn't have minded having them wet to have escaped the heat as the sun rose in the sky it grew hotter and hotter but not a word of complaint did the young gentlemen utter all day long they sat talking to each other or amusing themselves with spider they kept him fast by his chain for fear of his slipping off the vessel's side if he had done so he would have been down the throat of a shark in an instant for the brutes had found us out and i saw half a score at a time cruising round the wreck as if they expected a feast before long it wasn't pleasant and i couldn't help sometimes thinking that they would not be disappointed i kept my eye turning round the horizon in the hopes of seeing the signs of a breeze which might bring up a vessel to our help i looked in vain the ocean shone like a sheet of glass not a cat's paw even for a moment played over its surface we ate but little even the fruit did not take away our thirst it was water we wanted and without it the rum of which we had plenty was of no use it tasted like fire when we put it to our lips so that the young gentleman would not touch it the scorching day came to an end at last the night gave us some relief and then mr rogers served out half a glass of wine to each of us with our biscuit and fruit we made ourselves fast to the rigging as we had done the night before and the midshipmen went to sleep with spider nestling down among them just as if they had been accustomed to it all their lives before i could close my eyes i made certain that they were secure i don't mean to say that they slept all the night through i several times heard them talking and even joking trying to keep up each other's spirits 
and then they would get drowsy and go to sleep and then rouse up again and have another yarn i couldn't sleep many minutes together for i couldn't help thinking of what might befall the poor young gentleman if the calm was to continue for the fruit was spoiling we had only an orange apiece for the next morning and the wine and dry biscuit without water wouldn't keep life in them many hours while another day's sun was striking down on their heads i might hold out long after they were gone this was the thing that troubled me i couldn't lie quiet and i was every ten minutes getting up and looking round though i knew well enough that without wind no vessel could come near us towards morning i fell asleep for a longer spell i was awoke by the sun coming into my eyes and looking round what should i see but master spider sitting close to the basket of provisions sucking away at an orange in his paws i shouted out to the rascal who only looked up and grinned and chattered as much as to say i want my breakfast as much as you do my voice awoke his masters who starting up saw what their friend was about the rascal had already eaten two of our precious oranges and had just begun a third when mr rogers took it from him master spider seemed to think he was very hardly treated and grinned and chattered and tried to get hold of it again there's no use punishing the poor brute said the young gentleman he only acted according to his nature and of course he thinks that he has as much right to the fruit as we have only he ought not to have taken more than his proper share those two oranges with some biscuits served us for breakfast and after that except the remainder of the wine and some rum we hadn't a drop of liquid to drink the sea was as calm and the sun as hot as the day before and we all soon became fearfully thirsty unable to bear it longer i again went below to have another search for water i looked into every locker i hunted through the hold and examined every hole and corner in the forepeak but to no purpose i discovered however what made me more uneasy than ever that the water was leaking in through the deck it came in very slowly but i had marked a line when i was down before and i found since then that it had risen nearly half an inch i couldn't hide from myself that the vessel was sinking i said nothing about it to the young gentleman when having shut the hatch i climbed back to my place it went to my heart to hear them still joking and laughing in spite of their hunger and thirst when i thought that in two or three days at furthest their merry voices would be silenced by death they didn't keep up their joking long for as the sun got higher the heat became greater and roasted out their spirits as it were poor fellows in spite of what each one in turn did to keep them up spider was the only one of the party who was as merry as ever for the heat didn't hurt him and he kept frisking about to the end of his chain trying when he thought he was not watched to get at the basket to see if there were any more oranges or any other fruit to his taste in it well needham don't you think matters will mend soon says mr rogers to me seeing that i had been sitting silent and downcast for a long time we surely shall have a breeze before the evening and some craft or other coming to look for us for the life of me i couldn't say yes i shook my head i was beginning to lose all hope at noon mr rogers served out half a glass of wine to each of us and some biscuit 
this put a little more life into me and i again took to thinking whether we could form a raft with the bulkheads and lining of the cabin which we might tear away by main strength and the two empty water-casks and the hatches and the gaff and boom the job would be to lash them together for though we might stand on the bulwarks which were under water there would be no small danger of being carried off by the sharks swarming round us at all events if the craft was to sink as i made no doubt she would we should have a struggle for life instead of going down with her and being eaten up by the sharks it cost me a good deal to say it but at last i told the young gentleman that i was sure the vessel wouldn't float much longer and what i proposed doing don't let us lose any time about doing it then says mr rogers jumping up as brisk as possible we'll get the two casts from below and lash the stoutest pieces of board we can tear from the bulkheads on the top of them this will make a small raft and i will go out on it and cut away the gaff and get out the topmast while he was speaking i saw him turn his eye to the eastward see see there comes the breeze and look yes i am sure of it a sail a sail he was right just rising above the dark blue line which marked the coming breeze where the royals of a vessel standing directly towards us her top-gallant sails quickly appeared and in a short time we could see half-way down her topsails we were so eagerly watching her that we forgot all about the raft we had intended putting together the young gentleman made no doubt that the stranger would pass close to us but i had my fears that low down as we were we might not be seen this made me sorry that we had not built the small raft that one of us might paddle off to the stranger should she seem as if about to pass at any moderate distance from us as there was still time i made my way below to bring up the casks as i was feeling for them in the hole my leg struck against a pretty long spar i hauled it out and handed it up to the midshipman this will serve as a signal staff i said it will give us a good chance of being seen by the stranger and i'll try to find a flag the drogers ensign was in an after locker we soon made it fast to the spar which we then set up by this time we could see that the stranger was a brig and unless she altered her course that she would not pass very far from us on she quickly came cat's paws were already playing over the smooth water presently the breeze itself struck our cheeks how cool and pleasant it felt hunger and thirst were forgotten the midshipmen tried to shout their hollow voices showed how much they had suffered i wasn't quite so happy as they were for it seemed to me that the brig would pass not much short of a mile from us and that we might not after all be seen i couldn't help saying so sooner than that i'll swim off to her says mr rogers you forget the sharks sir i answered just then the brig altering her course stood directly for us we were seen of that there could be no doubt we all stood up and waved and shouted at the top of our voices even spider who sprang up on the shoulders of mr rogers seemed to understand that there was something in the wind and chattered and grinned with delight 
the brig was a large rakish craft with a black hull and as i looked at her i had some doubts about her character it struck me indeed that she was the same wicked-looking vessel i had seen come into english harbour the day we sailed in the drogher however we couldn't be worse off aboard her than we were and i could suppose that any human beings would leave us to perish before long she let fly her top-gallant sails and royals clued up her topsails and courses and a boat was lowered which pulled towards us we must not leave our change of clothes behind us says mr gordon my carpet-bag is in the starboard berth i'll get the bags for you young gentlemen says i for i did not like to trust any of them below again for fear of accidents i jumped down as i said this and by the time after groping about for them i had got hold of the three bags the boat was alongside jump in my lads sung out the mate in charge of her we have no time to stop the young gentleman and master spider had scrambled down into her we are not going without needham though they all sang out together just as i got my head up the companion hatch what is there another of you said the mate be smart my man or i must leave you behind thank you sir but i would rather go says i as i made a leap into the boat with the carpet-bags just as the bowman was shoving off while we were pulling for the brig the mate asked how we came to be there mr rogers told him in a few words i heard say in english harbour that you were supposed to be lost he observed i was then sure that the brig was the craft i had seen there we were soon alongside who should we see as we stepped on deck but the old colonel and his daughter and the little black girl polly who came with us from trinidad they seemed mightily pleased at finding that we were not drowned especially the young lady who told the midshipmen how anxious every one on board the frigate had been about them mr rogers had to go over the whole story again it's pleasant to find that we are of some account in the world says mr desmond in his off-hand irish way but if you please miss o'regan we are as hungry as hounds and as thirsty as hippopotami and i'm sure you'll say a good word to get us something to eat and drink bless my heart exclaimed the colonel i forgot my boys that you had been hanging on to the drogher's bottom for the last three days on short allowance yes sir says i thinking it was as well to speak on my own account for he didn't seem to understand that i had been with them the young gentleman and i had nothing to stow away in our insides all that time but hardtack and rotten fruit you shall have supper then this moment my lads says the colonel and having shouted to the steward to put some food on the table he invited the midshipmen to go below and i hope this poor man who has suffered as much as they have may come too says the young lady and i blessed her sweet face as she spoke of course says the colonel he might fare but badly forward the skipper a dark-looking chap who had been walking the deck all the time scarcely stopping to welcome us aboard looked daggers at me but i didn't mind him come along needham you saved our lives and should be the first attended to says mr rogers kindly to me i of course know my place and that it isn't for the likes of me to sit down to table with my betters but just then if the queen herself had asked me to take a snack with her i'd have said yes marm please your ladyship with the greatest pleasure in the world 
the steward soon had all sorts of good things on the table but there was one above all others i wanted most and that was a big jug of water i could have put it to my mouth and drained it dry the young gentlemen filled up their tumblers and passed on the jug to me stop says the colonel you shall temper the water with claret but before he could finish speaking the glasses were drained dry we held them out again however and the colonel and the young lady filled them up half and half with wine and water this brought back our appetites and we turned to with a will the colonel's daughter filling up our plates with a smile to watch how we ate when i'd had enough i got up and made my bow and the colonel told the steward to get me a berth somewhere as he was sure i should be glad to turn in and take a snooze he was right for my eyes were winking and the young gentlemen were pretty nigh asleep in their chairs there were two spare cabins and they were in them with their eyes shut before i had made my last scrape and bow at the cuddy door the steward told me to turn into his cot and it didn't take me long before i was as sound asleep as i ever was in my life when i turned out the next morning i found that the young gentlemen were still snoozing away they didn't turn out till noon and even then they kept rubbing their eyes as if they hadn't had enough sleep yet otherwise they seemed in no way the worse for what they had gone through in the meantime the young lady had sent for me aft and asked all sorts of questions about our cruise which mr rogers hadn't told her and spoke ever so kindly to me i thought as she was talking that there wasn't anything in the world i wouldn't do for her the colonel also had his say and after telling me that he was sure i was a brave trustworthy fellow asked me should i like to go ashore with him and assist him in an adventure he had in hand i answered that though i liked a spree on shore as well as others that it was my duty to stick by the three young gentlemen to look after them and to see them safe aboard the frigate again by the first opportunity he seemed somewhat taken aback and said nothing more the dark-looking skipper captain crowhurst they called him hadn't as much as spoken to me nor had the mate and it's my belief that if it hadn't been for the colonel and his daughter they would have left us to perish on the wreck there was something i didn't like in either of them and i made sure that they were about no good after i had spoken my mind to the colonel he didn't seem quite as friendly as at first though his daughter was just the same the young gentlemen made themselves happy as they were sure to do with plenty of grub and no watch to keep the skipper however told me that as i couldn't be kept for nothing i must go forward and do duty of course i said yes sir it's what i'm always ready for i managed to make friends with the ship's company though they were a rough lot of blacks browns and whites and while i remained aboard i worked as hard as any of them we had fine weather with light winds and in about a fortnight we sighted this here coast all the time we hadn't fallen in with any vessel bound for jamaica or indeed any english craft instead of steering for cartagena or one of the larger places we put into a small harbour called sapote some miles away from the chief town i forgot to say that the day after we were taken off the wreck we had fallen in with a sloop the billy which kept company with us and now anchored astern of the brig the skipper of the billy came aboard and from the way he and the colonel and captain crowhurst talked i guessed that there was something in the wind 
as soon as it was dark a boat from the shore came off bringing an officer-like looking spaniard who shook hands with the colonel as if they were old friends the colonel introduced the skipper to the stranger and after another long talk we were ordered to get up a number of cases from the hold and to lower them into the boat alongside two of our boats with one from the sloop were then got ready with their crews all armed the colonel and the stranger went in one of them and the two skippers in the other leaving the mate in charge just as they were ready to shove off the colonel and his daughter came on deck followed by the three midshipmen oh father may heaven protect you but i cannot help trembling for the danger you run i heard the young lady say no danger at all he answered in a cheery tone and i am sure that my three young friends here will take very good care of you that we will that we will they all cried out together and thinks i to myself and so will i as long as i've an arm to strike with or a head to think what to do away the boats pulled into the darkness there wasn't a light to be seen on shore indeed there didn't appear to be many houses thereabouts mr rogers came on deck again after the young lady and they had gone below i am sorry to find the brig engaged in this sort of work he said there is to be a rebellion or something of that sort on shore and if the colonel is caught it will be a serious matter for him and what is worse still for his daughter what do you think of it needham what you do sir says i i wish that he was safe aboard again and that we were on our way back to jamaica but i don't think the skipper is likely to steer northward till he has landed the whole of his cargo and a good portion of it consists of arms and warlike stores while we were talking the mate came aft and asked mr rogers somewhat rudely if he was going to take charge of the deck while he ordered me forward i shall be very happy if you wish it said mr rogers maybe if you do the ship will run away with you my lad said the mate with a sneer i didn't hear more but i saw mr rogers walking the deck quite as if he didn't mind what the mate had said and was officer of the watch it was my opinion from the way the skipper and first mate behaved to the young gentleman and me that they wanted us to leave the ship so that we might not be spies on their actions i waited till i saw the first mate go below and the second mate come on deck he was a quiet sort of young man and he and mr rogers were on friendly terms i then went aft they seemed anxious from what they were saying about the colonel not coming back by that time while they were talking the young lady with polly came on deck and heard some of their remarks before they knew she was near them oh mr rogers do you really think the people on shore will interfere with my father she asked he surely ought to have returned by this time we are expecting him every moment miss o'regan answered mr rogers putting her off as it were and not wishing to say what he thought all seems perfectly quiet on shore the other young gentlemen had followed her on deck and they all three tried to persuade her to go below again telling her that they were afraid she might suffer from the night air still she stood looking out towards the shore but no lights were seen and no sound of oars could we hear at last mr rogers said just as if he was a grown man you know miss o'regan that the colonel put you under our charge and we must respectfully insist on your going below 
you may suffer from the night air coming off the shore and you cannot hasten the colonel's return by remaining on deck we will let you know immediately he appears or that we can get tidings of him if it had been lieutenant rogers or the captain himself saying this neither of them could have spoken more firmly i will do as you advise and trust to your promise said the young lady and she and her maid went below helped down the companion ladder by mr gordon and mr desmond after this one or the other was constantly coming on deck sent by miss o'regan to learn if the boats were returning i felt somehow as if all was not right and i could not bring myself to leave mr rogers who didn't go below all night except for a few minutes to get supper End of section thirteen